Abhi Yahweh, thank you for this opportunity again to share and speak from your treasury to anyone that would listen, to have an ear, to those that seek the truth, knowledge and wisdom, Father God, and that truth, knowledge and wisdom comes from you. The things that we hear on this plane of existence that we're in are sometimes very despicable. But Father, you are with us always. You promise to always be with us. You never leave, forsake us. You're always here. You guide our steps with your Holy Spirit, Father God. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be the conduit of your word, Father, to be a, a conduit, to share your truth. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. So, I had some things going on, and I was talking to the Holy Spirit about this, and and some things that were spoken of in, in the sermon on Sunday. And this has to do with the intertwining and being of one spirit, one mind. And the scriptures talk about that often, often. And... It actually led to a confrontation between Paul and Peter. And that confrontation was because Peter was not exactly enacting the word as he should have been. He was sort of separating the table. We're all invited to be at the same table, be of the same family, be of that kindred spirit, that one spirit and one mind. But he was separating. And he was separating the Gentiles and, and the Jews and the Gentiles. And simply what that means for this biblical speaking is that Believers and non-believers. In, in this time and era, it speaks to the believers and non-believers. <laughs> then it was uh, culturally more the Jews who were uh, the chosen people brought out of Egypt and the generations changed and, and diluted and so forth and so on. And then, you know, the Gentiles were those that were not of the nation of Israel. However, as I said, this time and this age, just like the term circumcision, the term circumcision is not used directly with the cutting off of the foreskin as it was in the days to mark the covenant between the nation and God. And that's what it was originally for. And later on, biblically speaking, it meant for those who were under the covenant with God and believed in God or not believed in God, uh, those of the circumcision and not of the circumcision. That's what that's what they're talking about. Okay, so Paul confronted Peter because Peter was, mm, I want to make sure not to use too strong of a word, you know, alienated. Um, yeah, I guess that would be a good termination. Alienating those who were, were not. They were the Gentiles. They were... They had to dine at a separate table, separating. So Paul confronted him about that because all the spirit was guiding him and telling him, we got to be a one, one mind, one spirit, one body. We all believe in God. 
And then something miraculous happened to Peter. He was shown the error of his ways by a vision, a dream that he had that night. And in case you don't remember that God showed him um, all of his creation and his creatures were all coming down in the blanket or a large sheeting tapestry, whatever. It's a large containment for them and brought them all down. They were all together and everything was his. And it was explained that everything was his. And we have to remember that. And we have to remember not to go by hearsay what people say about one thing or another. But we have to be aware of these things. And I want to share that with you. Because... Uh, hold on here a second. I lost it. Okay. I was looking up a, a definition here, and I'm sorry I, I lost it. But the word is prakarisis. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Okay. Oh. Uh, that's why, because I didn't spell it right. <laughs> so this is a term, and I shared this with you, that um, our lead pastor had shared this term. It's perichoresis. It's Greek. It comes from the Greek. And it's a term that refer, uh, directly refers to the ter- relationship of the three persons of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's also a terminology that's used in uh, ballet movements when you have members of the ballet on the floor and there's three together and they're working separately, dancing separately, and then they come together and they intertwine and it almost looks as if there's one person. And I wear a device. I don't wear a cross and I don't wear a crucifix that has the embodiment of Jesus on it and portrays that and he's on the cross. Jesus is no longer on the cross. So that kind of, when I see that, it, uh, yeah, it does. And I pray through it and I just let it go. But why are you going to wear something that still shows that Jesus is still hanging on the cross? Your interpretation might be something totally different than mine, which is fine. But I just have, why are you going to show that? He's not there. God Jesus was taken from the cross. He was placed in a tomb, and he rose, and he's no longer on the cross. And people wear a cross, and it's not got Jesus hanging on it, and and that's fine. But I wear a device. It's called a trichel. And this has to do with the hearsay that you get from mammon as opposed to what you get, and you have truth. You have true, direct knowledge, and there's an old saying that came uh, many years ago. It was uh, 
You know, instead of listening to that, why don't you go to the horse's mouth? Meaning, go directly to the source of information, get the information, get the truth and the real knowledge, but people grab on to hearsay. A cheetah is not a leopard, and it doesn't matter that you have 500,000, 5 million, 10 million, 60 million. It doesn't matter if nearly the entire rest of the planet calls a cheetah a leopard. That does not make it so simply because they decide that it is. That doesn't make it so. It doesn't make it truth. It only means that all those people, rather than listening to true knowledge, they're going by hearsay and they're agreeing with hearsay evidence. So this trikeel, I actually had somebody come up and tried to tutor me and said, oh, what's that? And you know, you're wearing a symbol of the devil. I said, I am. And how do you call it that? And he said, well, I heard that, and somebody said that, and their course of their conversation, they're attempting to lecture me for wearing a symbol of the devil came from hearsay evidence. Well, the device is Celtic, and it was, in a form, used by Druids, but it's not a symbol of the devil. See, for me, if you look at it, it's an intertwining of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of that Greek word, perichoresis. It's an absolute picture of that. And it's, they're kind of, um, each separate part is a shape of an eye, but they're intertwined. And it's just the design. But for me, that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that are with me all the time. And I wear that. And I saw that. And that's exactly what was spoken to me. And immediately when I saw it, that's what I, that's what I believe. So this person, by hearsay evidence, was going to try to lecture me for wearing a symbol of the devil. Um, actually, they saw me. I was in a church, not my home church. I was in a church. And they tried to lecture me for wearing that within a church. That I was wearing a symbol of the devil. And I, in turn, just said, you know, we had a conversation about it. I said, well, you know, that's not what it is. And I said, it's been used in many things. But in checking, it was very interesting because that term, perichoresis, that was used by my lead pastor... Jamie, a man whom I love and a man who I know is in the Bible and in the Word. His spirit has been tried so many times. <laughs> I'm sure. I hope. And that would be a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. When you try the Spirit, the truth is told. So, in this theology, Christian theology, that the uh, it's an interpretation of the Trinity. And it is showing that, and it's interesting, and it, it also denotes the, uh, the rotation or the intertwining, as I've shared with you before, the intertwining of the cord. And in the scripture, it talks about the three cords being better and stronger. <clears throat> and then in my double-checking in doing my research here, it's a very interesting um, 
the Gothics actually have, and this is where it came from Ireland and the, and the, uh, and the Druids and their use, but it's a window element that is used in Gothic architecture. And their trikeel is different, slightly different. It's almost, um, you have the three rotating figures, but they're almost to a loose interpretation of a person and they're rotating together and the design that, they, that they're touching. But mine intertwines. It's the, the shape of it so that the body is nearly a triangle but then the different ports, portions are intertwined with one another. And I bring this up because we are supposed to be intertwined. We are one body, one mind. The Lord was crucified and came to this earth. For God so loved the world... You know, and everybody separates into these little different factions. Oh, black lives matter, blue lives matter, red lives matter. And they start throwing all that stuff around. All lives matter to God, our Father, our Creator. All lives matter. Not one over another. For God so loved the world. The world inclusive. That means every single person that he gave his only begotten son. He did not come con to condemn the world, but he came to set us free. Jesus came and he overcame the world. He overcame Satan. He went to his place and took the keys because at one time Satan held the keys to death. Jesus came and took, the, he wrested the keys from him not asking politely, not demanding. He reached out and he took the keys and they belonged to him. They belonged to our Lord and Savior. Fear death no longer. Jesus came for all of us. And anyone that believes that he is the only begotten son of God and has faith in God and follows the teachings of the Holy Spirit who has come to guide us and walk with us as promised by our Lord. We are all part of that relationship. And when you accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, God is Father, Creator, and the Holy Spirit to guide you, and you believe in your heart, and you seek that faith and that truth, then you are adopted into the family of God. You have become an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven, and you are a member of that family. My goodness gracious, the offer to you is to be a member of that heritage. And the Bible calls us that heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ adopted into the family of God. You are his children. You are brothers and sisters. And we have that opportunity. This is why I share the gospel. 
because the Lord asked me to do so. And he wants everyone else to have an opportunity to be saved and be adopted into that family. I want that. I would like to see that for everyone to have it. I see too much hatred, too much derision, and all this. This matters, that matters, this matters, and that matters. The only thing that matters is that you have faith in God who promises to be with us through all things, and Jesus Christ who came and gave his own life. He came to this earth. God came and manifested as Jesus Christ, a man. He walked on this face of this earth, was tempted as a man, he walked with men and women. He taught men and women. He was around people. Jesus was a people person. I've heard some people, <laughs> this is one of the excuses that they lay out. Well, I, you know, I get embarrassed. And I'm not really a people person. Well, excuse me, then you need to get deeper into the word of God. And you need to reexamine what's going on in your own heart and not put out this litany of excuses to why you don't share the gospel as why you decide that when you finish up with the one time that you go to church, you go, you go to church once every three months, you go to church once a quarter and that's okay. That makes you a cultural Christian. It makes you a SpongeBob Christian. It doesn't make you an actual one. Come on. You have to be in the word you study, but you don't do that. You go home, you throw back the easy chair and you don't go out and you don't share and you don't do anything else except that once a quarter you you get talked into going to church for some reason or another. You you do. And you is not specifying anyone out there, so don't get your knickers and twists over it. It's a generalization. <clears throat> and as I continually and repeatedly mention to you, if the shoe fits, then wear it and be responsible for that. Okay, don't get all excited because of generalized statements. I don't know each and every one of you out there specifically that I can come up and say, oh, you're just sitting back and you're doing this. <clears throat> it's a blanket statement, meaning that if you are doing that, then examine yourself, get in the word of God, get in prayer, and do the right thing. The right thing would be that you get out and you share the gospel because that's what we're told to do. Be of one mind, one spirit, and that is the Spirit of God. And listening to the Holy Spirit. So what we have to do too in sharing this is that intertwining and that since we are Christians and we believe that we are of that one table, that we are too intertwined in that and that we must respond that way and separating ourselves is not the way we do that you cannot separate yourself from others and say that I'm just not a people person I'm just not like that I, I can't go out and share the gospel well that's an excuse for the lack of fortitude and you need you can get that boosted from God and from the Holy Spirit you just have to ask for it ask not you receive not ask them. in the book of Romans in chapter 1 and this is a letter from Paul and we go to There's several things that I'm going to share with you. 
in the first verse. Paul's making a declaration here. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. We are, and Jesus called us, I I remind you again that when Jesus, as we read in the scriptures, (coughs) pardon me, and Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples who are physically there with him, he's also speaking to us because we are disciples. You believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. You have faith in God and you listen to the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. You are a disciple. And our responsibility is to share the gospel. We are an apostleship of God the Father through Jesus Christ. Verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ. You are a Christian claiming that title. Are you a Christian or are you just that tape with the word Christian tapped to your forehead? You label yourself. But if you are indeed a Christian, and you are indeed believing and have faith in God. Jesus Christ came dying for you. And as I share, what was he thinking? He was thinking about me. Jesus came here because I was on his mind. And each and every one of you that take that belief and that faith, you were on his mind. The entire world was on his mind. Not a particular color, not a particular group, not the entire world. And we are called to share that gospel, to share that truth, and to speak that truth into the lies and the blasphemies of the enemy and that white noise interference that is poured out on this earth. We are called to rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, who came for us. We are called to do that thing. Paul writes further, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, The just shall live by faith. So, it is written by the word of God, the just shall live by faith. You have been justified. You have been redeemed and saved by the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb that came from heaven, stepping down off his throne, setting down his crown, and coming humbly to this plane of existence that we are in, being born in a stable, 
laid in a manger and from the outset was having to run for those that wanted to destroy him and destroy him before he was even into adulthood. The Herodians were sent out by Herod because of his fear for losing his position and his authority and his arrogance searched and killed every child under the age of two years old. Oh, despicable actions, egregious actions by politicians and those who claim to be in authority. But he feared Jesus Christ and so much and the words that were spoken of the prophets and in the scriptures. And he feared the scriptures. Now here's the difference between his fear and the fear that is spoken of in the Bible that we should have. We should have an auspicious fear for God. For God is the creator of all things and he has that might and power. It's an auspicious fear. We are appreciative. There's a, there's a good word. We are appreciative of the fact that he is sovereign Lord God and that he does have the power to just turn you into dust, me into dust, anything. He can just do that. But he didn't. But Herod had a fear. He was fearful of the fact that his position as the king of the region at the time, right? he was going to lose that. So he went and he was fearfully driven. But this was the white noise interference of Satan that he was following. <laughs> Satan not even knowing. Trying to drive that and Herod became fearful and set out to destroy Jesus when he was just a babe. And he killed thousands of children under the age of two years old. Took them under the sword. Wow. But we have been justified by that crucifixion. Jesus Christ came for my sake. He was thinking about me when he came. He was thinking about you when he came. What do you think about when you're not sitting in church? What are you thinking about? Are you studying the word? Are you in the word? Are you just prayerful? Are you praying for situations, things gone? Are you praying for the elected officials as we are told to do, as Paul wrote to Timothy and he told him to do that thing? I've shared that scripture with you before when, when uh, Paul writes that letter. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and give him thanks be made for all men, all men. He doesn't separate all men. Talking about men and women. Got to remember, culturally back then, they spoke of women or men because they were the head of the house. Don't get excited about that. For the kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 
who will have all men to be saved. Now, here's that contrariness that that, that pervert twisted the words around and said, oh, God's condemning everything. No, no, he's not. John 3.16 said, whosoever believeth on him, if you choose not to believe, then you have condemned yourself. Now, here, further reading. Who will have all men. <laughs> who will have all men. Let's say it a third time. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God, our good Father, desires that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth, not by hearsay and that, you know, this little thing that I have around my neck that for me is the intertwining of the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son, intertwined, but as one unit, one one person, the perichoresis, as was shared in a lesson from my pastor, and that relationship of the three separated, and then they come together, and on the stage in the dance, they appear to be one, they move as one. In my faith, they are one, they can be separate. And then I've, I've heard people say, well, how can that possibly be? There's nothing, there's no way that that could be. Well, excuse me. Let's reduce this to a very elementary stage, a very elementary level. What about the egg? You have one egg, but when you break the shell, you are now blessed. Now, you, you notice here, this too is a very analgesic, Biblical, <laughs> everything gets blessed when it's broken. And breaking is where the blessing comes from. <clears throat> Jesus broke the loaves and the fish, and he fed a stadium full of people. I know what the scripture says, and culturally in that day and age, they counted the men as the head of the house, so there were five, and Jesus fed the 5,000. But the reality is, and not saying that the Bible lied, this is just the way it was in that day. They counted the men as the head of the house, and that's what they had to feed. But you know that Jesus was making more because he knew that the families were there together. You had husbands, you had wives, and you had children. They came to hear the word. Okay, so the analogy is that you have this connectivity through the word, through the spirit, the relationship between God, Father and Son, Holy Ghost. You have the egg, one egg, but you break it open and now you're blessed because the edible that is within the egg, you can get to it, but you have, you can separate the egg. You can, you have the egg shell, which, of course, incidentally, is something that is nourishing a high degree of calcium, which the body needs. But what do people do? They throw it away. And you actually have people that separate the egg yolk and the egg white, and they throw away the other portion of the egg. Why do they do that? Because of hearsay. Here's the facts. That an egg is nearly 100% protein. And if you don't add a whole bunch of fats and a whole bunch of other things to it, 
a heavy degree of salts and all these other things, which actually diminish. And they throw, they separate and they throw these things away. But they're all nourishing. That's all food. But you have chef, they call themselves chefs, but you have those individuals that will use the egg white only in preparation of certain foods. So they separate the egg yolk and they throw it down the, the garbage disposal or they wash it down the drain and they throw away the eggshell. In this plane of existence that we're in, there are actually people that do that thing with their Christian teaching. Well, excuse me, that doesn't make you a Christian. If you're disposing of portions and taking on only what you want to read here or believe, then there's a problem there. You're contrary to the scriptures. You're contrary to teaching. You're practicing that element of Phariseeism. Uh, you know, and I've shared, that the Sanhedrin, you had the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they didn't agree on everything, so they had a judge seat that was between that would keep them from getting into fisticuffs whenever they came together. But you had the Sadducees, which only believed in the uh, five books of Moses, the written law. And then you had these Pharisees who read the prophecies and the books of the prophets, and they also read into the books of the law of Moses. But they believed in the Sadducees only that the law was a law, period, and there was no bending to it. They didn't even read into the book of the prophets. Got into arguments all the time. And you have them separate. They weren't like-minded. They weren't of one spirit. The only thing that they came into agreement with was that Jesus had to go. Because Jesus was teaching contrary to their belief, their way. And their way was the only way, our way or the highway. And that's what they were doing. And you have those that are self-proclaimed Christians that do not act like Christians. They don't speak like Christians. They are here, if you listen to their speech, Oh, my goodness gracious. It may as well be out in the middle of the pool hall, guzzling whatever it is that they're doing. And their, their words are, are terrible. They're, they're separatists. They're derisive. They're filled with hate. How is that being a Christian? And then there are those, of course, that will be offended by what I'm sharing. Well, if the shoe fits and wear it, don't get your knickers in a twist over nothing. If it applies to your walk, then you just do some self-examination. You get in the word, you talk to God, you repent, and you get the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know any of you individually, so I can't point my finger in your face and tell you that, hey, Bob, John, Joan, Jane, whatever your name might be, that you need to do that. And that's not my place. My place is to share the gospel, share the truth, share the knowledge and wisdom that God has bestowed on me and allows me to get into his treasure and use me as a conduit to share that gospel. The opportunity is there. God's, God gave it to the entire world. 
in manifesting as Jesus Christ and coming here and being sacrificed as a sacrificial lamb. That triune ballet was interrupted for a moment, but yet was it? Jesus came separately as a man and that he left some of his heavenly attributes behind, but he was constantly in contact with Abba, Yahweh. Everything he did that was miraculous in our eyes was through God the Father. When he changed the water to wine, he was praying to God and thrust his hands into those containers and changed the water into wine. Was that connection, that connectivity to Father God Almighty. When he hung on the cross, connectivity, declaring, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Dying and the very ones that hung him on that cross and crucified him and killed him, taking his life from this plane of existence. But in reality, they didn't take it. He gave it. Understand this, that God, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, you had the thief on one side and the thief on the other side. The one was repentant for what he had done. And the other one was, well, yeah, if you're so-and-so, so-and-so, then save yourself and get us down too. And then, of course, there, oh, that rings so loudly in my mind right now because the other night, an incident very much the same way. You got this guy as the, as the hollering, screaming theme. And he is, he, he acts just that way. But the Holy Spirit comes in and, and I just, I'm not gonna rise and, and be confrontational and react to it because that's what his desire is. And he hollers very loudly so that people are drawn to him. That's what he wants. He wants attention. And if things are not going exactly his way, then he gets louder and he gets angrier and he gets more confrontational. He doesn't understand that there are certain things that have to be done a certain way and there's certain scheduling and it's not all about him just because he boards and sits down and he wants to go and starts hollering and crying out loud about it, making a big production. So I say that to say this, that simply because things appear to be a certain way, Jesus was always in relationship with the Father. Everything he did was in relationship to the Father and, and guidance that they had already, it was going to be that way. And when Jesus left this plane of existence and he told the disciples, he told us that there would be another scent that would guide them and teach them instruction, believe on him and our feet would be guided on the path, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I've shared this analogy with you before. What good is a comforter? The comforter is, is made to, to be a lap throw to keep you warm on chilly nights or chilly mornings, and you can use that to cover up or if you're going to take a nap on the couch. But to keep it folded and over the back of the couch just to look at it. Oh, you can't use that. you got to just look at it. Well, how is the Holy Spirit? It was called a comforter. It was sent to be used. But if you don't use it, then what's the point? 
And the point would be that you need to use it. It isn't that it's not usable. It's only not usable because you're not asking for it. You're not wanting that guidance. You just want to do what you want to do and you're not utilizing that comforter that was sent. And you just did send the comforter. So what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, that there is that intertwining, that cord, that rope, and three cords are stronger than one. And when they weave them and bind them, it's a strong, sturdy rope. And I've used that analogy before, is that that, that hope, that anchor line, we are anchored by Christ, our Savior, and that anchor line is attached to the mooring in heaven. And it keeps us steady on this rocky sea that we're in. Indeed. Hold on to that rope and be attached to heaven. And as Paul wrote in the letter to the Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's in Hebrews 12 too. David writes of the Lord, the ancient of days, I am that I am, was from the beginning and created all things. By his hand and majesty, all things are created and consist. And David writes in Psalm 102, 27, but you remain the same and your years will never end. And in 1 John, 3, 19 through 20, he speaks this. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Sometimes you will listen to that white noise interference, people either pointing their finger in condemnations or, or ridicule or something or another that they will bring up. The validation that you need to hear, that you need to hear, that you need to hear is that from God. You don't need to hear validation of mammon. You don't need or require validation from mammon because they speak through the white noise filtration that Satan throws out there. They are condemning, ridiculing, and pointing the finger in blame and condemnation. Sadly enough, that validation that comes from them that so many think that they need to have, is it that they need to have it or they want to have it? They want people to, oh, I want them to like me. I want them to, to know that I'm a good person. Wait a second. You want, I want, I want. That's putting yourself in the center of things. When God, if that is the truth, if it's righteous truth, God's going to help it to happen. He's going to make it to happen. 
He's going to help you along in your walk because there's certain things that you get. You can't just get bonked on the head with a god wand like you see in the fairy tales in Disney, you know, and all the little magical color stars and, and spangles come out. It doesn't work that way. There are things that we have to walk in, things that we have to walk through, and all those things make us a stronger, faithful person. We can be like that redwood tree when you take your nourishment from above, which is why they grow the way they do, because they're not expending energy and trying to draw up nourishment and nutrients from the ground. They get what they need from above. That's why they go, grow so strong, so tall, and why they're so fantastic. So if we were drawing our nourishment from above, instead of seeking all that so-called alleged nutrients from surrounding us in the world, that validation that's not even required, but we look for that. Expending so much energy on trying to draw that to us, that that strength of our faith and our uprightness and our righteousness and showing ourselves to be different, showing ourselves to be that peculiar person that we're told we are, if we have the faith and we follow the words and the teaching of Jesus Christ, Lord God Almighty, our Father in heaven, in his truth and his word. That's in Peter's writings, his letter to us. That we are a chosen, a peculiar people and peculiar being unique, separate, apart, set apart. If we are so caught up in the things of God and looking to God for that nutrition and that nutrients coming to us from above, our faith would be way stronger. We would be more upright. We would be definitely, people would say, wow, there is definitely something different with that person. And you would have people come up to you and say, why are you so different? Thank you, Father God, for that in my life. I have people come up and after we talk for a minute because they want, and then they say, can you pray with me? I said, of course I can. Of course I will. And then the question before they leave is why are you so different? I'm different because God tells me I should be different. I'm different because the word of God tells me that I need to be different. I'm different because I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that I love you and that there is that outside of what we see around us is truth. You are in my prayers as I go through this day on my going out and coming in. You are every day. Be blessed, have a good day. And if you haven't made that decision yet, the decision is you just step out. Boldly step forward and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want my life to be changed. I want to have faith in God. I want the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. I want that in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom, it's done. Really, you can do it at home. You can do it by yourself. If you have somebody that you want to have with you, have them do it with you, have them pray with you. You can even do it as, a, as an altar call at the church and go down in the front. Any way that you, you want to do that, just do it. You're invited to be an heir, a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven. Have a blessed day. Be blessed.